Hello, and welcome into a bonus episode of Meet Me in the Movies. I am Thomas Manning. Today, I'm bringing you a conversation I recently had with cinematographer Andrew Jose Palermo to discuss his work on the Marvel Studios series Moon Knight, starring Oscar Isaac in the lead role. Uh, just a heads up, we do get into some spoilers in this interview. So if you haven't caught up through the first four episodes of Moon Knight, then I would say go back and watch those before you watch this interview. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. We had a really good discussion talking about uh, a lot of a lot of the technical aspects of his work on Moon Knight and also just narratively working with such a unique character like Mark Spector. Hope you guys enjoy and thank you so much for watching. So one of the first things that really stood out to me in the visual style of a Moon Knight is the heavy use of reflections. Um, and that's obviously a huge aspect of the character of Mark Spector and his different personalities and his internal conflict. Um, so what are some of the creative, creative challenges for you as a cinematographer and storyteller working with reflections like that? And, you know, what do you just appreciate about those uh, unique creative opportunities that you get uh, working with those? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you said it, it's a challenge. Um, not only just f finding them and utilizing them, but making sure that you're out of them, you know, the camera's out of them or that your gear is out of them or um, lighting, which looks good in real life, doesn't necessarily always look good in the mirror. You've got to think about the way you're lighting two sides of a face. Um, but the other, the huge challenge though, is when he, when Oscar as Mark or as Steven is talking to himself or as, Moon, or as Mr. Knight and Moon Knight or whatever it may be, um, you know, getting, getting him in the proper place because what the camera sees and reflection is not what you actually see um, if you're standing in front of the mirror and you're looking at your own reflection. So finding the placements of those characters to put them within um, what appears to be talking to one another can be really funny. There's a lot of little cheats and things that you do constantly where they're actually totally five feet different from where they would be standing to see their own reflection. You're not standing in the exact same place. So that's like some technical challenge stuff. And then you kind of just feel it. Um, you feel if it's looking right and feeling good and it's actually settled into a, a reflection which works or you know it immediately if it's just cheating too much and it's false but um it's a fun challenge i mean that both technically and um just aesthetically to find various reflections all over and um you know and utilizing them it's a nice it's a nice motif to have all throughout the show yeah and um you know certain instances there's this really uh kind of dreamlike ethereal atmosphere uh with the visual style and um it's a story that kind of blurs the lines between physical reality and the psychological realm um so i have to mention how much i love your work on the green knight uh that was you know one of my favorite films oh, last man. year and uh, just you know some of the best cinematography i've ever seen in my life um you know that's oh wow thank yeah, you and, you know, that's also a story in The Green Knight that kind of straddles that line between the waking world and the dream landscape. Um, so, you know, I'm wondering, are there any similarities in how you approach your work on Moon Knight compared to The Green Knight? Um, I tend to work very emotionally or um, even instinctually. I try not to overintellectualize things. Like if it, if it feels right, I don't try to question it and I don't try to put it to words sometimes. Um, you know, sometimes when you're, shot listing, you have some ideas which may be a bit headier and maybe they don't come across in the way you want and vice versa. Some things appear to you on set that um, inspire you and you don't necessarily have a justification and you can justify it later or you can 
you can make sense of it. Um, but sometimes it's best not to, I find, um, not to put words to it because it kind of spoils what makes it um, unique and, and interesting and beautiful. So um, that's all to just say that, like, I think my, my approach is often just from whatever document we have in our hand, um, what are the actors doing and what are we feeling um, is the best way to underline uh, the emotion of a scene to help the help the act the performers, um, or to you know add a mood to something uh, that they can further further the script. And so you know globally that looks the same between the two projects, but um, you know technically they're not they're not the same in some ways. You know I'm sure if someone really put up some parallels in the imagery, I'm sure there are some, and that's just my own innate sense the sense of beauty or aesthetic and. Um, you know, I do really like wides. I like wide shots and I like, I like it often when our character feels very small in a frame and, and that worked for Gawain and, and um, the Green Knight because that was kind of his emotional journey. He felt very small in this big world. And in some ways, the same is true, I'm sure, for Steven. Like when he's going into that storage locker in episode two, I really wanted it to feel scary for him. Um, and, and so we, you know, had these great wides of him, very tiny or when he's being chased by Conchu, um, you know, he seems very small and alone. And, um, you know, so there, there's, I guess, some commonalities in that respect. Yeah, no, you mentioned episode two, uh, which um, there are a few shots in there that really stood out to me was the uh, first person POV shots uh, that were incorporated. Um, so what does it look like, you know, setting those up and capturing those from your standpoint as the DP? Yeah, I mean, I try to often... Um, it, First person stuff is not generally where my mind goes. I really, I do like to feel the shoulder of someone. And sometimes I get a little in my head about the gaze of a camera and how it just doesn't feel like the gaze of a person. And um, I just try to think of, I try to put myself in the character's shoes when I'm shooting a POV. And I really try to think, um, you know, what, what would I be feeling? Am I, you know, am I anxious? Am I scattered? Am I, um, uh, you know, is there something that I can do with the camera that enhances the feeling that the, the character is feeling? Because um, otherwise I feel like you end up just making POVs or inserts and as well. Just They just feel functional, you know, that it feels like you're laying bricks. And of course you have to do those kinds of things. But to me, for it to be like really grounded in character is where it gets more interesting. And, and you can add another layer than just information. Um, uh, so, you know, you kind of take each scene as it, you know, as it approach, as you, as it comes up and what, what does one need over another and what are we, what information are we trying to convey? And is there a subtle way to convey that information without just, you know, a full punch into something that's just purely informational. Um, and so, you know, and, and for me, the, the best shots would wrap those shots into other ones. And that's kind of often my inspiration is to, um, look at ways inserts can maybe start as an insert or a POV, but then a character moves into the shot and then now it's actually an over the shoulder or now it's a single and, or a two shot or whatever it may be, but to wrap those shots into other ones so that it's not full cutaways to something. And I think that's the, um, the thing that I've been pushing for in my work lately. Yeah, and uh, with the Moon Knight suit, it's such a huge, huge important uh, aspect of the character obviously um and so what is it like for you shooting and lighting the suit um you know in the moment during production and just making sure that you know the utmost respect is paid to uh 
something that's that significant to the character. Yeah, I mean, the, thankfully, the suit was great. I mean, I really think it's a beautiful suit. And Mr. Knight's suit as well, the attention to detail. Um, I actually shot more of Mr. Knight's suit than I did Moon Knight's suit in some ways. Um, 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 the action sequence in episode two where there's sort of a rooftop chase and, um, you know, those were things which were storyboarded um, both in advance before Justin and Aaron and I were on board, but also with our input. However, we didn't shoot it, you know, uh, second unit came in and, and Darren and Paul, Paul, this director and Darren's the DP are both incredibly talented. Um, they took that information and, and ran with it from there. So what would have been a lot of my shots of, of um, Moon Knight were actually done by second unit and beautifully done so. But to answer your question, though, I think like one of the toughest challenges is it's a white suit. Um, and you want it to have contrast. You want it to not just be a big white wash. At the same time, color contrast is challenging because if I have a big sodium light, let's say from the London streets, and a lot of the London streets is a very warm white um, you know, sequence and takes on all of that sodium color. And it just doesn't feel right when he's kind of a big orange night instead of moon night and white. So keeping that balance was really challenging. And that's also where coloring um, coloring in post-production really helps is we can kind of isolate him and move him a bit more neutral or decide how much we want the environment to, to take on. But um, again, it's an embarrassment of riches with that suit and, and Mr. Knight's suit as well. And Megan um, and the whole costume department were just incredible. So, um, you know, it's, it's easy to make something look good when it already comes off the truck or, you know, comes out of the trailer looking amazing. Yeah, and uh, in episode four, a lot of the action is set out in the desert. Uh, you know, there's scenes in the canyons there. Um, so how much of this was shot on location and uh, how did that impact the way that you use natural lighting in your shoot? Yeah, so we, um, we as a unit traveled, we shot in Budapest largely. So all the studio stuff was in Budapest um, and as well as some London streets um, stuff we shot in, in Budapest as well. But um, we moved to Jordan at the end of production and we were there for um, a few weeks, I think almost a month maybe and um, in total from scouting and shooting. So a lot of that stuff is on location in Jordan and Wadi Rum, which is, um, you know, a famous desert that, you know, Star Wars is shot in and uh, Lawrence of Arabia is a lot of its stage there. And um, we were staying in Aqaba and, and shooting in this desert, which was about an hour from, um, from our hotel. So, um, you know, for me in those, in those instances, I want to just be as wide as I can. I want to soak up the world and really go, you know, uh, enjoy the vistas that, um, we're given because they're just so incredible. So, and I try to just let everything do its, you know, go as natural as I can. Um, and you know, a lot of that stuff is just about scheduling. The, the further I get along in my career, I realize that, if I, you know, really track what the sun's up to and I really work with the assistant director and um, the producers and the directors about scheduling, we can have the light, which is best for each location if we're really, con if we're really conscious of it. And, you know, of course, you're going to end up in times where it's overhead and it's just slamming down on you. And that's just, that's just how it is given the time you have to shoot a show. But, um, you know, if the light's low and coming from the right direction, you, you know, you're already you're already at least headed the right way. And you're, you know, most of my job is done. I just need to um, maybe add a little nuance and bounce or a little diffusion, but I try not to do too much. 
Yeah, and you get kind of get to play around with some uh, different genres in the fourth episode as as well. Uh, parts of it reminded me of an uh, Indiana Jones type adventure, uh, exploring the tomb. Uh, then it kind of veers into the horror genre territory as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so what were some of your favorite elements of having this chance to flex your genre muscles and play around in different sandboxes like that? Yeah, it's fun. And those that kind of genre bouncing is really fun. And for me, it's just um, a matter of how far can we go in each direction without it all falling apart and feeling like, Oh, now we're, you know, we're national treasure or now we're um, some monster movie and we want to still be in the pocket of moon Knight, but the degrees of it um, is really the challenge and the tone, um, you know, is, is tough to control. But for me, lighting those things is the real fun part. Um, getting one of my favorite, um, favorite scenes in that sequence is just a really simple one. Then when they first repel into that, um, first chamber with the sphinxes and um, you know that was shot on stage but to light that was really fun just to have all this natural warm light pouring in um, you know so that that the that's kind of been the joy for me lately is lighting is you know really getting to make make a world with light um, and and try to make a world that's emotive or or scary in the instance of some of the more horror elements you know and how far are we willing to go dark? And um, for me, a scene like that, you should really struggle to see because the characters should be, you know, they are flashlight only. And um, that's how they're effective is when you see less. So, um, you know, we try to push into or out of people's comfort zone about how dark we want to go on a show like this. So. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then by the end of the episode with the big twist, it completely transitions almost into to the uh, psychological thriller type mm -hmm. genre um so yeah. kind of walk me through this process of suddenly shifting the entire visual style because you know you go into the the clean white backgrounds of the mental hospital and you have some mm -hmm. extreme close-ups uh so just what was that um transition process like yeah we did a lot of testing and um that was a collaboration with stefania the production designer and and knowing that we wanted the lights to be built into the set and um and it's a real, again, it's how far do we want to go in one direction or another? And, you know, we didn't want it to go full psychedelic, but we also wanted it to feel actually maybe like a curative place. It shouldn't feel dark and scary. So we felt white and clinical, but not too clinical. Um, and testing all those lights was a real um, uh, challenge for us, you know, making sure that we had enough exposure, that it had some color different shifts, you know, really it's all a variety of white but how warm or how cool um and greg middleton the other dp and i spent a lot of time with the overheads in that space as well as in harrow's office trying to find ways to give it some color contrast while still being a bright white space um uh you know that stuff's really fun and and, and one of the great things about a project of this size is you have the time and resources to do that you know my career in the past like green knight you mentioned earlier sometimes I walk into a set and it's the first time I've seen the set now finally complete and I have to light it real quickly. And, and then, you know, an hour later we're shooting. So to have the time in pre-production or as the set's finished weeks in advance of shooting um, to see it on nights or on weekends or whatever it may be is um, a real, a real treat for me. So it can, I can explore and I can change my mind, which, um, you know, everyone moans about when you ask for a change and it causes the whole set to change, but you know, you can't, you can, 
theorize what something may look like, but until you're actually there or until you start seeing lights come up, you just can't know exactly. And, you know, I try not to change my mind very often, but, you know, occasionally it does happen. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, the other cinematographer, uh, Greg Middleton, who's worked on the series. Um, so how much do you communicate with the other DPs who shoot the other episodes? Like, you know, from, from your shoot to the shoots on the other episodes, just what kind of communication is there? Yeah, it was in tons of communication. And from the very beginning, Greg and I were talking often and, um, you know, from everything from gear stuff of what, what gear might I want? What gear might he want? Um, are there other things? What are we kind of feeling, you know, passing, passing um, inspirations back and forth or once Greg started shooting, cause he started before me for episode one. Um, you know, even just simple things like complimenting certain things that um, we thought were going really great or, if he had some intel on something that, you know, he was trying, but he wasn't, it wasn't totally successful. He would let me know, or, um, that was a really great collaboration. And it's rare actually that you get to see another cinematographer work because we normally work by ourselves. And so it was really great for me and a, a, a real education. I mean, Greg is, um, much more veteran. He's been working longer. He's shot a lot of things and a lot of different genres and, he has a very different way of working than I do. Um, and I feel like I learned a lot and some great tips. And um, at the same time, as someone who is as talented as he is and as far along in his career as he is, he was completely open. You know, he didn't say, here is this Bible of how I want the show to look. And this is, these are, these are the parameters. And this is, you cannot go outside of this. He was very giving and, um, and allowing us to find our own voice within the show. Um, you know, and our directors, Justin and Aaron, um, versus him and Muhammad. So, I, you know, I really value that relationship. And also generally, I uh, have to ask about working with, you know, Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke, just two incredible talents. And Oscar's performance allows him to do a lot of really unique things, uh, just very idiosyncratic things with his performance. And then Ethan Hawke is just always phenomenal. So just what's it like working with them and capturing those performances on set? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, all I can do in my job is to just set up um, and give them as much space as I'm able to give them, you know, and to take as little of their time for me lighting or for me moving cameras or, um, you know, also just to react. So when they come in and they block a scene and it's different than I envisioned, um, I need to stay on my toes and, and be reflexive to what they're bringing because, you know, these guys are incredible talents and um, I just want, I want to just underline certain things that they're doing or um, to not box them in to some preconceived notion that I had about where they might be or what they might do. So, um, you know, it was a real joy. Both of those guys were incredibly prepared and um, Ethan, Ethan and Oscar both just every time, you know, they'd sit into a scene, it just suddenly felt real to me you know they just they embodied those characters and they brought so much and oscar of course had to go to some places emotionally um and to see him come out of his trailer already there you know he's not he's not the kind of actor and many actors are this way that can just joke and be in a totally different mood and then when you say action they're uh, a totally different person oscar kind of from the moment he's coming out of his trailer all the way into the scene, he's already in character. He's at least more or less mentally in that headspace. Um, and so, you know, you 
for me, that's super impressive just to see and not to say that the other way isn't impressive as well, because that shift of gears is incredible. But, um, you know, he just really needed to go to some places. And so you could feel it when, let's say, in Harrow's office and he's, um, you know, trying to piece things together. There was a real quiet around set because we know it's kind of sensitive. He's really going to try to go to a place. And, um, you know, that's a real joy to capture those things. Well, uh, Andrew, again, just want to thank you for your time today and uh, for great conversation and uh, just big fan of your work. Anytime you show up in a project uh, in the credits, um, it's it's always your work is always noticeable. Um, and uh, just uh, thanks for taking the time today. Thank you, man. That's very nice of you to say. I'm glad um, I'm glad it's noticeable and hopefully not noticeable in a bad way. <laughs> not sticking <laughs> not out. All. But yeah, thank yes, you. Yes, sir. Hope you have a all great right, day. Man. And uh, yeah. Thank you. Cheers. Won't you come and meet me at the moon?